But now he's got a chance for something special. He swung. Krasinski has got to throw it down. It's a perfect day for Philip Umber. Good morning and welcome to episode 201 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller and his crickets. Uh, how was your weekend? Um, it was okay. Yeah, that's that's about how mine was. Um, what have you decided to talk about today? Uh, I want to talk about um, perfect games, I guess. Okay. Uh, I guess mine is a little re- related then. I want to talk about... 25 and under starters. Oh, why don't you go first? Okay, so this was just inspired by some of the almost perfect games that we have seen lately. We saw on Sunday, Chris Chris Sale pitched a, a one-hitter, and on Friday, we saw Shelby Miller do it, and then I think it was Wednesday, Matt Harvey did it. Uh, so I thought we could just play a game uh, and... These are my favorite and the listener's least favorite. You think so? I think so. Hmm. Okay. They're my favorite, though. And <laughs> Well, uh, I apologize to the listeners if, if that is true. Uh, but I sent Sam a list of 25 and under, age 25 and under starters uh, who have started all of their games this season and, and are qualified starters. Uh, so they would, they would be qualified for the ERA title if, if they were to continue pitching at the same rate all season, um, and I thought we could just kind of draft them all right. uh, because I don't know. It, it seems like there's been a few guys who have who have cracked the the top of this list this year. It's a very that, interesting. Yeah, it's a great list. It is. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting list. list. It's yeah. yeah, it's it's a bunch of guys who who would have been there before the season, and and some guys who have maybe elbowed their way to the top all of a sudden. So. Um, so there's four, 14 names. So what's just out of there curiosity? Are, what's, there are 24 names. Oh, hang on. Message clipped. Yeah. Hang on a second. I don't know that the, the bottom 10 will, will be anyone that we talk about here, but maybe. Oh, geez. This, may, this gets trickier. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk about Alex Sanabia. Uh, well, we don't have to. So there are 24 guys on the list. We, I mean, we could just do a top 10 or something. No. <laughs> no. Just go. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm gonna if I'm gonna real quick if I if I can I want to copy this into a into a somewhere where I I can strike them as we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, so, that is that is wise. Uh, all right, so how are we gonna decide? Uh, you and I should know each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that we'll be in touch. Uh, you know, certainly a few months from now, and yeah. I, I would I would hope I would hope a few. Maybe uh, I would I would hope at least six years we'll be in touch. <laughs> yes, I would hope so. So how do you how do you want to choose? How do you want to decide who who wins this? Uh, um, hmm. I guess I don't know. Could we well. Should we just do a, a career warp? Yeah. From this from this point forward. Yeah. Are we are we we're ignoring contract stuff? We're just doing best. Yeah. Best. Mm-hmm. All right. So career warp from this point forward. Uh, and let's call it uh, five years from today. Okay. Okay. And then again, ten years from today, if we uh, if we still know each other. Yeah, some British documentarian will, will make a, <laughs> right. a film series on this and check in with us every <laughs> seven years. 
Yeah. Uh, so who, what I didn't decide is who goes first. Uh, it's your idea. You go first. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. This is this is difficult. I am going to take Clayton Kershaw number one overall. Yeah, that that would have been my pick. Yeah. as well. Uh, this this is gonna. Uh, this is my favorite thing. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> I don't know that, that that the listeners will enjoy if we do t- all twenty four spots. But... I no, we're doing all twenty four. <laughs> okay. There's, no, all there's right. no doubt about that. All right, I'm gonna take. Um, I'll take. See, I really wish I, Kershaw to me is such an obvious number one, right. and number two is tricky. So I'll take uh, Steven Strasburg. Okay, I probably would have gone with Strasburg also. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna. All right, so I'm, I'm deleting rows here in my spreadsheet. Uh, so Kershaw, Strasburg off the board. I man, uh, this is tough. I I guess I'm going to take Matt Moore. Oh, thank God! Yeah, no, I was that he would have been my number four, uh-huh. but I would rather have Madison Bumgarner. Okay, so this is so the the first four guys that we have chosen are all people that we probably would have ranked the same way before this season, I guess. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Okay. Uh, well, no, I would have. I mean, well, certainly I would have had Bumgarner ahead of Moore before the season. Okay. I I probably would have had Bumgarner ahead of Moore uh, now as well. I mean, I I think I would, but. To me, more close that gap in the last. You're not. Month and a half. You're not afraid of of the Bumgarner we saw at the end of last season and no. playoffs. No. Not not particularly. No. Okay. He's he's younger than uh, uh, Tony Singrani. Hmm. That's my favorite. Yeah, Tony uh, he's that's not my, on. He's not eligible. That's my favorite age factoid mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, okay. All right. So now we are getting into the territory where we might start. Considering some of the 2013 arrivals, uh, I don't know if it's if it's recency bias or or a reach or not. I guess I'm, mm, you know, no, I'm gonna go with <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Shelby Miller next. See, I I also would have gone with Shelby Miller. I thought you would take Harvey. I was though. very close to taking Harvey. So so I'll take I'll take Harvey. Okay. Yeah, I I was tempted to take take Harvey, but I kind of I don't know. I guess I just went with kind of the. There's no real difference between them in terms of what we know about them. I just pretty I I enjoy watching Shelby Miller a little bit more. He, he I don't quite uh, fear that he's going to walk uh, three batters in a row the way that I I still kind of fear that about Harvey. Yeah, I guess I guess I take Miller. I mean, Miller is a couple of years younger. I don't know how much that matters if we're just looking for five years in the future, but um, I guess just the fact that he was kind of a, a more highly touted prospect, I suppose, uh, not by a whole lot, but by by some, I kind of got used to the idea of Shelby Miller as a future ace before I did Harvey, and so I guess I'm going with the, the longer prospect track record. Okay, so those two guys are gone. Uh, all right, so the, I guess the obvious next pick here would be Chris Sale. Uh, no, I'm going to go with Matt Latos. <laughs> I also <laughs> thought the obvious next pick was Chris Sale, and I also would have gone with Matt Latos. Uh, but I, you know, I actually thought about talking about Chris Sale uh, tonight, but I didn't have much to say about him. But 
um, at what point do we quit caring about what people worry about his his arm? I mean, like, I feel like Francisco Rodriguez for like nine years was on the on the cusp of breaking down, mm-hmm. and and he never really did. He just basically got a little old and broke down like everybody breaks down. But it was never, you know, it, he just pitched right through it. And uh, Sale, I don't know. I mean, I I would feel. I would feel a bit cautious about taking sale because I have this voice in my head that people yes. smart have, have been, have been putting in there. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what, what's the indication that these people know what they're talking about. And that <laughs> he's not simply awesome. I mean, he's been, he's been, if we just, if we were somehow drafting what had happened mm-hmm. over the last 15 or 16 months, he'd be like number two or three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. On this list after Kershaw, probably. Yeah. Maybe after Strasburg, but yeah, maybe not. Um, Maybe not. Well, I I don't know. Rodriguez was a reliever, and uh, I guess I would be less worried about Chris Sale if he were still a reliever and had the the delivery that he has. I don't know. Um, with him, it's what? I mean, it's it's both it's both uh, what smart people who know things say about Sale, and it's also just my just kind of my gut, <laughs> I guess, and I. I yeah. hate I hate giving that any credence, but just kind of watching him is, um, I mean, it's it's fun and wonderful and also scary. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually pass pass on sale and I'm gonna take Jose Fernandez instead mm-hmm. with my pick. Okay. All right. Uh, so now I have a difficult decision. I guess. Uh, see, I mean, I feel like the the five year thing almost changes changes things a little bit. Like if we were doing if we were doing full career, okay, that might well we we could do answer. full career. Maybe we should do full career. Sure, we'll do full career. I probably wouldn't wouldn't have changed anything I've done so far. We could do full career. Just you'll you'll have to know that we're we're actually not going to remember to do this <laughs> in twenty twenty one years. You never but know. We, we might have a we, listener who reminds us. We might, but we'll definitely remember to do it in one year. Yeah. So really, you're only going to get credit for that. Right. It's kind of Real, realistically, you're going to get credit for that. It's you're kind of like if you're in a if you're in a keeper league, how confident are you that the league will exist in, exactly. in a few years? Um, exactly. All right. Uh, I guess I guess I will I will take the talent and go with sale next. Okay. Uh, and I will go with. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with Mike Miner because yeah. I tr- I just trust the Braves. Yeah, I I, I might have taken Miner next. Uh, okay, um, I guess my next guy. I'm torn between two guys. I guess I guess I'll take Trevor Cahill. Yeah. Okay. And I'll take uh, Jared Parker. Okay. Uh, and then I will take. I guess I'll take Alex Cobb. Interesting. Uh, the reach. Yeah. Well, I do, but whatever. <laughs> what do I know? Uh, I'll take. Um, goodness gracious! I'm I, at this point. I now don't. I'm just. I'm just worried. I'm going to do so. You know, I've always had this theory that you you do, you can't tell who's good at at Jeopardy or or who's bad at Jeopardy based on the final score because, mm-hmm. you know, if, depending on how you do with the buzzer. Uh, you might be the smartest guy up there, but not win, and you might be the dumbest guy up there, but you know you might answer four questions and get three of them right. But 
the the way that you really know a person is terrible at Jeopardy is how wrong their wrong answers are. Mm-hmm. If, like if they if if they guess Martin Luther King and the answer is like <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. Uh-huh. Uh, then you know that they're an idiot. Like they just don't have any <laughs> fundamental comprehension. Right. And so I'm worried now that I'm going to do some pick that's just so laughable. <laughs> yes, because there are there are a, a, there is definitely a few a, guys a on this list. I I couldn't exactly write a, a <laughs> book about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so I'm right now going with extremely. I'm 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 aiming like for cautious. Safe. Yeah. Uh, but I'm actually gonna. I don't know if this is cautious or not, but I'll take Chris Tillman. Okay. Um. <clears throat> All right. I guess I will take. I guess I'll take Pat Corbin. Okay. Uh, it's fine. It's a fine pick. I have a lingering, lingering distrust of him that I should get over. Mm-hmm. I'll take Ulysse Chassin. Okay. I'm glad you took him because I wasn't sure where to take him. Mm-hmm. Uh. Man. It's getting it's getting difficult now. Uh, I guess I will take. Mm, I guess I'll take Mike Leak. You know, RJ asked me the other day what I thought the odds were that Mike Leak would be in a starting rotation in six years. Uh-huh. I think, and uh, that's not an easy. It's not all that easy to answer. I I think I I guessed. Like one in one in five or something like that, one in six, and then that immediately struck me as way too low. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I feel like he could just kind of hang on as a back of the rotation guy for for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And if he does, then probably he will be more successful than most of the people remaining on this list. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll take him just because he's been kind of consistent, not really consistently that great, but. Yeah. All right, I'll take AJ Griffin. Okay, probably would have been my next guy too. Uh, hmm. Don't really, don't really want any of these other guys. Um, I guess I kind of. Mm. <laughs> uh. This is this is a good podcast right here. Uh, I guess I don't. I mean, I'm not at all confident in the pick, but I I guess I'll take Jose Quintana. That's what I would have definitely taken. All right, and I'll take uh, Zach McAllister. Okay, I was I was remembering your article that you wrote about him and all his unearned runs yeah, last year. He's he's been better. Okay. Uh, all right. I guess I will go with. Mm, Willie Peralta. Ah, <laughs> that's your next guy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He seems like the the clearest. <laughs> all, all, I mean, the last four guys, none, none of them are great bets to be. Uh, four worth more, left. I have three more, guys more, left. Well, three, three, okay. inclu- four including okay. Peralta. Okay. I mean, they're all going to be gone pretty soon, right? So I'll take uh, Vance Worley. Okay, um, and I will take Jeff Locke. And I'll take Alex Sanabia. All right. 
Uh, All right. So somebody write those down. <laughs> did you did you keep track, or were you just deleting? I was just deleting. We, well, I kept track by recording it and then publishing it right, on, yes. <laughs> on a public. So hopefully, someone else will do the work and <laughs> and keep track of how much every guy was worth, and then report back to us. <laughs> As and remind us in one year to talk about this. It's, it's yeah, free podcast. That's that's the least you guys could do. <laughs> all right uh all right so um last year there were 65 i believe no hitters uh or 66 maybe there were a lot of no hitters last year and there were a lot of perfect games and um this year there haven't been any of either uh unless i've forgotten any i haven't forgotten any right no all right so there were i think there were six no hitters and three perfect games last year um and so I just figure it's it's just about time for some columnists to write a story about how there have been no no hitters and to somehow tie that into performance enhancing drugs. I don't I don't know how they'll do it, but somehow it will be about steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wanted to um, uh, because I, I just wrote a big piece in the offseason about why perfect games are more common now. I feel a little bit defensive defensive of them. Uh, I just wanted to point out that actually what we've seen has been. Um, perfectly in line with the perfect game boom, the mm-hmm. perfect game era, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. You named you named three pitchers who just had near perfect games. John Lester also had mm-hmm. a one hitter with no walks. And so that's four four I guess you would call those four near perfect games. Uh 27 outs, one base runner. Mm-hmm. Uh none of them will go down in history because none of them were no hitters. However, uh four one base runner games or less is actually staggeringly high for a week it's staggeringly high it's actually higher than average for a year um it's how many there were from 1975 to 1979 um it's basically been about two of those per year throughout history and so we've seen four in a week um and i mean everything in is continues to be in place for perfect games you watch all four of those starts and there was no particular reason that uh any of those pitchers couldn't have thrown a perfect game on that day. I didn't see Wainwright's. I, I left Wainwright start yesterday, and I think he had like a, a, a one walk, no hits through seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't see. I didn't see how close it was he like, came. But it was a two hitter, right? I think. Was it I think okay? So. so yeah. So I, I I don't have any great point about it, but basically strikeouts remain high. Uh, the um, every basically every pitcher who's in the major leagues right now. It, just about can is capable of striking out 10 hitters and if you can strike out 10 hitters in a game your chances of throwing a a perfect game or a no hitter go way way up uh i had uh, for the story i wrote dan simborski ran the numbers in um every strikeout per nine that you that you add to a pitcher's rates increases his likelihood of throwing a perfect game every time he goes out there by 37 percent and um so Everybody, I mean, basically, the league average starter now strikes out seven plus per nine, and um, there's going to be a lot of guy. I mean, you know, just about everybody, just about every time out there, uh, has the stuff to do it in a way that wasn't really true in the past. And um, so, I just wanted to point that out. And I also slightly off topic, but uh, because that was the, the point of the reason that I wrote about this in the off season, Philip Umber was designated for assignment. By the Astros, this makes me very sad because mm. I like Philip Umber a lot as a you know good man kind of a guy, 
and I'll root for him to get another chance somewhere, and I hope he does something with it. I, um, I wanted to note, though, that um, I saw, uh, for instance, uh, Keith Law mentioned this, and it's always been the story about um, Philip Humber as well as his Rice teammates. Uh, the idea, the narrative is that he was overworked at Rice, um, that when they wrote, when he and Neiman and Wade Townsend were teammates, that they, they, they really rode all three of those guys, had him throw huge pitch counts, and basically broke all three of them. They were all top ten picks, I think, in the same year. Um, and I remember, actually, at the time, I remember that being the story uh, about that club. And so it's not like this is all second-guessing. This has been uh, something that, that uh, people who care about pitcher abuse have been paying attention to, this trio, for almost a decade. And you know, there's, there's, you might look at the results and say, well, it's pretty good evidence that 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 was true. Uh, and I just wanted to note that um, Umber disputes that for himself personally and says that um, the idea is that he was overworked, that that's what led to his Tommy John, uh, in I think his second year of pro ball, and that he never came back from Tommy John. Basically, he was a he was an elite prospect until Tommy John. He was not an elite prospect after, and so you know, you that makes sense. You trace it to the to, to Rice. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says that actually uh, he came back strong from his Tommy John, that he was throwing uh, very hard, that he was still very effective, that he was still a good prospect, and that his actual, his downfall came after that. Um, that it, that um, you can't, you can't say Tommy John and I never came back because I did come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that his problems were of a different nature. Uh, I, I would guess that uh, he would say that his problems were basically um, mechanical and mental, um, and maybe, I don't know if he would say this, but maybe some bad coaching in there, I, I, that might be going too far. Um, and that, uh, that's what kind of cost him his high prospect status and that the issues he has now are not really tied to that. That was, that was seven years ago. Now he's a different pitcher and he's having problems. Like lots of people have problems when they're 30 years old and losing velocity and struggling to find a, a new way to make it work. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not saying that the rice theory is wrong. Uh, it could very easily be right. There's a lot of evidence. There's a lot of cause and effect that seems to be in play. Uh, but from a guy who um, has some insight into it, uh, he thinks that it's a bad explanation. Mm-hmm. All right. I will keep an eye out for that first article about uh, how no one is throwing no-hitters anymore. Yeah, somebody, uh, if you see it, send it in. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're done. Send us emails for email Wednesday at podcast at baseballperspectus.com and we will be back tomorrow.